I am a woman. I am a woman. I am a woman. I am a single voice. I am a single voice. I am a single voice. And I and I and I, and I will be heard. You're listening to the Vital Voices podcast. I'm Elise Nelson. Today, April 2nd, is Equal Pay Day, the day that the average woman must work into the next year to match what the average man earns the year before, meaning that by the time, by this time in 2019, the average woman has only now earned what the average man did in 2018. Today, women in the United States still only earn 85% of what men earn. Of course, that's gone up, actually, in the last couple of years. And that problem is compounded further for women of color. Black women earn only 61% on the dollar, 61 cents on the dollar. Native American women only earn 58 cents on the dollar. And Latina women only earn 53 cents compared to a man's dollar. And while some of this gap is attributed to the difference of career choices and industries women are entering, about 4 in 10 women have reported that they experience gender discrimination at work. And this problem doesn't just impact women in the United States. In fact, there is practically no country in the world where women have the same pay as men. Iceland, actually, just this past year, made it illegal for uh, a a company to pay a man more um, than a woman, which is fantastic. So I'm I'm thrilled to be joined today by Robin Leeds. She's founding partner of Winning Strategies, LLC. Robin, thanks so much for being here. You're welcome. So, Robin, I remember back in the 1990s in the Clinton administration, back when you were at the White House Office of Women's Initiatives and Outreach, um, and I was over at the President's Interagency That's Council right, on you Women, were. and we were starting up Vital Voices. That's I remember right. that you were leading the charge for pay equity back then, and we were like at 70... 76, 74. 70, yeah, sounds a little... So we made some progress. Congratulations. Well, let's let's own it. (laughs) Own it. Claim it. Still more to go, right? (laughs) Lots more work to do. So tell me, what do do you see in in your work with corporations, but also the work that you did in the government? What have been some of the winning strategies, you know, to to make change in this area? Well, it's interesting that you you ask that because I've been, I, um, I've always been very concerned. And when you mentioned Iceland, uh, we have never had any mandatory pay equity laws on the books. In fact, all the legislation that passed, starting in, in 1963 with President Kennedy, uh, the, it was the 1963 Fair Pay, no, it was the Equal Pay Act. Mm. That, well, number two things. One is, this is not just a matter of equal pay, right? What we're looking at is fair pay, which is a much broader concept which includes compensation for work of comparable value, not Mm. of the same job. So there's two categories, within the same job, but also to define work of comparable value. So you take a fire person or a fireman, um, and you take a nurse, and you compare their salaries. Or you take um, a school teacher in the public school system, and then you take a construction worker on a federal development. Now, the work is different, but it's also comparable in certain ways. Mm. So it's looking at different categories of work and how pay is executed across those comparable categories. Mm. And that often gets lost in this discussion. In fact, I have always been concerned about the word equal pay, 
because mm-hmm. we're way beyond. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're so beyond the concept of equal pay. That's why every year the same legislation gets introduced, um, the Paycheck, Paycheck Fairness Act, uh, which is a much broader definition than the narrow concept of equal pay. Mm-hmm. So I, I wanted to clarify that. The other issue uh, that we had for many years, and we still have it, is that we have no mandatory compliance. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really a voluntary um, act of whatever for the private sector to, um, to comply with certain goals and timetables. Uh, and particularly now in, in the administration that we have now, we have you know, the, um, uh, the EEOC has been gutted, gutted the Office of uh, Compliance has been gutted. Mm. Uh, back in the day, um, under Clinton and even under Obama, there was active monitoring on compliance. There was never any mandatory actions taken, or, and there's no penalty in the law. So there's nothing really compelling the private sector to work on this issue. To take any action. No. Of course, we are seeing a few CEOs take action and being lauded for that. So That's true. Wonderful That's true. story, of course, of, of Salesforce back yes. in 2015. And Mark yes. Benioff, the CEO, yes. didn't believe it. Didn't believe that, you know, thought, well, we, we are one of the best places to work. How could we possibly have a pay gap? And... Luckily, he had a chief people officer, uh, Cindy Robbins, who dug into it and said, I think we probably do. And since then, they have basically, well, they realized they did have, as I'm sure every organization does, that pay gap around not just gender, but also around race. Exactly. And since 2015, they've they've worked to make that right. And I think it's been about $8 million they've had to, to, to put, you know, right. into making it right and making it equal. Right. But again, I mean, that's, that's great. And that's an example of progress and of, you know, good corporate citizenship. Mm-hmm. Having said that, that is not the case for the vast majority of private yeah. sector. So you're entities. not you're not seeing it in your work with companies. You're not seeing companies saying we'd like to do something similar. <laughs> there, there. I would say there's window dressing. That's yeah. how I look at it. Um, and I've done work with a number of uh, large private sector entities coming off of the um, Obama in- initiative, the United State of Women, mm. which launched a pay equity initiative in the private sector. Uh, and we got many, many um, uh, corporations to sign on and to publicly commit and to come up with a plan to do the analysis and to, to really aggregate the data and then to come up with a plan to, um, to change that. Having said that, after the Obama administration, again, we're in a, we're in a situation where we don't have the leadership, we don't mm-hmm. have the mechanisms, we don't have the thoroughgoing commitment. And so it sort of you know, lets a lot of people off the hook when they mm-hmm. were already off the hook before. Right. So the question is, uh, this is a legislative fight. It's a, um, a fight in the media. It's a fight in the um, in the in the political realm. I mean, yeah. we're looking at. Will it make a difference to have you know so many women legislators now on the Hill? I mean, is that going to make a difference? Or? Well, I think I think it makes a difference. I think it's a question of what those women stand for mm. and what priority issues 
they're taking on mm. and how far they're willing to push. So it's kind of a multi-level um, strategy to get public-private sector engagement, to make sure that the unions are strong enough to continue the fight because they were always at the forefront of closing the wealth gap. Um, when, when the union movement started, it was about closing the wealth gap. Yeah. That's what it was about. Uh, and the union movement has not been that strong lately, and so we need to revitalize that, and we need to revitalize uh, the advocacy organizations that have been at the forefront of the struggle. Mm. Uh, so we have re- a lot of rebuilding to do. Yeah, so, so you've worked on this issue more than two decades. Yes. And, and we have seen progress, but have a very long way to go, certainly when we look at the disparities with women of color. That's and right. The, and the, you know being paid much less than than white women what do you think is is that next step um to to bring about change in this area i mean is the you say revitalize the network is it about that external pressure is it about looking at the power of women to elect the next president and putting pressure there where do you think there's I think an opportunity? I think it's all of that. I think we we need a, kind of a multi-pronged strategy. Um, I think we also, and we you know, have a lot of experience with litigation. Um, I mean, look at the Lily, um, Lily Ledbetter Act. Mm-hmm. Um, there and, and state by state, there are, you know, active class action suits going on in states where the laws are on the books, but they're not being impl- implemented, and there's ca- lots of cases of employment discrimination and sexual harassment, as we all know. Um, combined with employment discrimination is is really a, a troublesome combination. Mm. So I think we have the courts, we have the state and federal legislature, we have the public policy advocates, mm. we have the you know the labor movement organizing on the shop floor. Uh, and we have to put together a comprehensive strategy. It's not a new strategy. And then, of course, as you mentioned, with Salesforce, there are some you know, leading um, uh, corporate thought leaders who believe that this is good for business. I mean, mm-hmm. we have to be able to make a good case of why it's good for business. Yeah. And, and you know, the few people who are standing up are taking a very bold uh, step forward. Mm-hmm. But it's not the vast majority. Yeah, and because there's no there's no penalty, there's no consequence, there's right. no enforcement, there's no organized way to urge movement forward on this, mm-hmm. um, especially under the current administration, mm-hmm. which does not embrace equity at any level. <laughs> to put it mildly, I remember uh, a couple <clears throat> years back, a number of years back, a wonderful book came out, and it was called "Women Don't Ask." Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're, I think it ended up being a best-selling book, and it talked about how, particularly in uh, the negotiation that women have in their first job out yep. of college, yep. that they don't tend to negotiate. That's almost right. like, well, I'm just happy to have the job; I'll accept the exactly. salary. They, they just take that, that, that salary, and because they didn't negotiate in that first job, yeah. and maybe not the second one, even if they didn't negotiate in their third job, they're already set back. That's right. So, you know, how much of it has to do with that piece of it versus just the way in which companies value women, or are the two connected? That I, think I think it's the two connected, <clears throat> and I think it's about how women value themselves, how yeah. we value ourselves. Right. And... Are we a value? What is our value worth? Uh, are we willing to speak up? Can we speak up on our own? Can we speak up in a group? 
what are the consequences? What is the fallout? And that just gets into the whole conversation of, you know, the fight for women's equality and women's mm. leadership. And, you know, if you're to this, then you're to that. If you're to that, then you're to this. Like, you, it's like a no-win situation. It's a paradigm that many women who are in leadership, including women who run for president, fall yeah. into. Yeah. And uh, that is, that is a, a paradigm that we have to open up. We have yeah. to explode that open. Yeah. Because I, we're always going to be struggling. Yeah, I mean, I do believe that cultural behavioral change, both the way that women value and see ourselves and the way that the world sees mm-hmm. and values us, mm-hmm. is really the greatest unfinished business, mm-hmm. right? I mean, mm-hmm. we've, in many ways, you know, not on pay equity, but we've got laws on the books. They go unimplemented. That's and right. often that's just because of behavioral change. Exactly. One, one thing I wanted to ask um, as we talk about what women can do ourselves you just came back from Puerto Rico, um, and thank you so much for joining us as a global ambassador. You're welcome. I lending your your talents and and your experience in mentoring uh, young business women uh, from from Puerto Rico. And how much of a difference do you think that makes in terms of a woman's career, pay, um, but 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 more than pay, really their their success and their trajectory. Having good mentors and, and a good peer network, why is that that work so important in this equation? Well, because we get isolated, and we think that all the problems that we're experiencing are our own, and we personalize it. And when you collectivize experiences, and you realize that women have a lot in common, regardless of country, class, race, sexual preference, abilities, disabilities, whatever... That one thing we have in common is that thread of how do we value ourselves and how does society value us. And to be with women uh, internationally, uh, across the country, and to realize you know, we have this collective experience and the need for collective action. I mean, it brings me back to the early days of the consciousness raising movement in the 70s, which mm-hmm. I was super involved in. And it was, you know, just around basic issues of sexuality uh, and reproductive choice and, you know, basic women's health issues and how isolated we were. So I think uh, the mentoring uh, and, and partnership and community building activities of, uh, of GAP are just so significant. And I mean, for me, it was it was a great thing because it, it sort of got me out of a, a trap of thinking, you know, I'm tired. Are we going to change this? Is it the same old, same old? And it just was real, a, really a shot in the arm for all of us, I think. Yeah. 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 And I think to see that resilience of The resilience is unreal. In, in Puerto Rico, yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. yes. Oh, I wish I could have been there oh, with I, you. Oh, we missed you. <laughs> I know. Where's Elise? <laughs> But we have to clone you for that. So. Oh, well, thank you so much You're for welcome. joining us and for yes. sharing your insights here on Equal Pay Day. Happy Equal Pay Day. Yeah. Yes. Here's to progress. Here's to progress. Here's to fair pay. Yes. Yes. Thank you for listening to the Vital Voices podcast. To learn more about Vital Voices, visit vitalvoices.org. Or you can follow us on Twitter at Vital Voices, on Instagram at Vital Voices, and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Vital Voices. If you're inspired by what you heard today, you can also donate to Vital Voices by texting podcast to 41444. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.